More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to another episode of Survivor Sanctuary, episode 111 to be exact. I'm Kelly, your host, and I want to thank you as always for joining me here for another episode of the podcast. Now, if you are part of the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group, perhaps you've been wondering if the podcast just completely went bye-bye over the last several weeks, and I'm here to tell you it has not gone anywhere. Well, it kind of has gone somewhere. I was hacked. Like this is our first order of business on episode 111 to just let you know that my Facebook page was hacked. A couple of weeks ago on a Saturday morning, I'm sitting and minding my own business and suddenly I get like boom, 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 boom. All of these notifications, 32 notifications to be exact, the exact same time. So I pick up my phone, I look at my Facebook and all these notifications are from some Facebook marketplace seller saying that they got my order for some set of chairs. And I'm thinking, oh dear, this is not good. So I wanted to make sure it was real and it wasn't just some like scam to get me to click on something. So I checked my bank account. I didn't see any charges. Then I checked my PayPal account. And yes, somebody had hacked into my Facebook and paid themselves a whole bunch of money a whole bunch of times using my PayPal that was connected to Facebook. Yes, in hindsight, I realized Maybe I shouldn't have that connected, but whatever. In any case, the hacker has changed my email and my phone number and everything else on my page so that I wasn't able to get in and reestablish ownership of my Facebook page. And then I think that Facebook realized that my account was being used improperly, so they disabled it. So right now, you can't find me on Facebook. I'm assuming that means you cannot find the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group on Facebook either because that is affiliated with my Facebook page. Now, if I'm wrong about that, I would love for you to reach out and let me know. You can use the contact form at SurvivorSanctuary.com and let me know there because you definitely cannot let me know on Facebook. If you follow me on Twitter, you could let me know there. If you follow me on Instagram, uh, my personal page, you can let me know there. But the best way to get a hold of me right now, since I am not able to get into the page, is by visiting SurvivorSanctuary.com. Click contact. You can fill out a contact form and it's going to send it straight to my email. So I'll be able to answer any questions you have or hear anything you have to tell me via email. So SurvivorSanctuary.com. Use that contact form if you need to be in contact with me for any reason. And I would love to know if the Facebook group is still showing up or if it is disabled because my account has been disabled. It has been a disaster the last few weeks. It's been about two weeks since this happened. And I actually had to use a company to try and get my page back because they call this the like doomsday scenario when somebody hacks in and then they change all your personal information. So then when you go to try and authenticate your page, they ask you, okay, what email address was your page under? What phone number was your page under? And neither of them exist in the system anymore. So they basically can't find you and you can't prove that you're you and it really stinks. 
So anyway, it's been a little bit nice to have a wee bit of a Facebook break and miss out on some of the drama that I don't prefer from Facebook. But what has not been great is not being able to check in on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group and see how everybody's doing. So would love for you to reach out to me. Use that contact form at SurvivorSanctuary.com. And if you don't use the website very often, I know that most of us are usually on social media connecting that way, but would be a great time for you to check it out, SurvivorSanctuary.com. And you can also still contact me through Patreon. If you're a patron of the podcast, you can send me messages directly through there. And if you're not a patron of the podcast, this is also a great time to encourage you to become one. And you'll find out first that horrible things like me getting hacked have happened. You'll also find out first some really good things and you'll get to hear the podcast before anybody else hears it as well. Patreon.com forward slash Survivor Sanctuary is the place to go for that and become a patron of the podcast today. Love our patrons. It's always great connecting with people who support the podcast and are blessed and encouraged by the podcast. And you can become one of those people, patreon.com forward slash Survivor Sanctuary. Well, wanted to get that out of the way, just so you know, the podcast hasn't disappeared. The Facebook group maybe has temporarily disappeared, but um, I started to tell you a minute ago and got a little sidetracked. I paid a company because I did not know what else to do. I usually can find any information that I need online. Nothing was working. There's no way to contact Facebook. There is no way to just, there's no customer service number. There's nobody you can chat with. It is very, very difficult. They've made it very, very difficult to get in contact with them. So I actually had to pay a company to help me out. They're like, you're right. There's really nothing we can do online. So here's what you're gonna have to do. They walk me through the process of filing a complaint with the California Attorney General against Facebook, and they say that Facebook takes us very seriously, and within the next two to three weeks, they will reach out to me to resolve the issue. So fingers crossed that works, because man, my, my Facebook page goes back to 2008, and I'd really rather not lose all of those memories. Some of the memories, perhaps, but there are some really good ones on there as well that I would like to get back. So yeah, keeping my fingers crossed that we can get that back ASAP, but it's probably going to take at least a couple of more weeks. And so in the meantime, as I mentioned before, SurvivorSanctuary.com, use that contact form to get in touch with me there. If you're a patron, you can contact me through the Patreon page as well. Well, that is it for our announcements today. And now we can get into the meat of episode 111. So a few episodes back, I talked about selective outrage in the church. And uh, thank you, Chris Rock, for that inspiration. And then a couple weeks after that episode aired on selective outrage, a pastor that I follow on Facebook and that I know and have worked for in the past posted about his upcoming sermon series. And the sermon series was all about Pride Month and the sexual grooming of children and drag queens, you know, reading stories to little children and target targeting our children with their LGBTQ swimsuit line, whatever it is. And I know I give this caveat a lot. I feel like sometimes when I complain about the church, you know, talking about issues, it's as though I think, oh, well, everything is fine here. Nothing to see. We don't need to be talking about this at all. And so I just want to be clear. I think that any behavior that is overtly sexualized, that is being promoted to children or that is being performed around children, I I don't agree with that. I think that we definitely need to 
be willing to call out sexualized behavior and things that are inappropriate for children to see because, well, they're children. And I don't think that we need to normalize overtly sexual things to children. I could get into a lot of that. That's not really what this episode is about. But I just want to be clear. When I complain that pastors are talking about some things, I'm not saying, oh, well, I agree with every one of those things because I think that pastors shouldn't be talking about them. That's not what I mean. And I think that I try to be clear when I podcast that that's you know not where I'm coming from. But I also want to be clear that I believe that scripture tells us that we are to let God worry about those outside the church and their conduct and their behaviors because they're not claiming to be brothers or sisters in Christ. And I know there are some people who listen to this podcast who maybe you know, are not in church any longer. You're not able to attend church. You're not able to really be in that setting because of the abuse you've experienced. So I know this is not going to ring true for everyone, but we also have a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are still actively involved in churches. Some people who listen to this podcast are actually in church leadership. And so I think that this is relevant to a lot of people who listen to this podcast, that I think that in the New Testament, when Paul says, God will judge those outside the church, we need to basically stay in our own lane. I feel like is what Paul is saying, stay in our own lane. And we're supposed to judge those inside the church, those who claim to be followers of Christ. That is the church's responsibility. And so I think that a lot of times what the evangelical church does, especially in the West, especially in the West, because I don't see as much of this problem in other places, like I grew up in Southeast Asia, and I don't recall churches being overtly partisan, politicized, or anything like that. It it was basically like, thank God we didn't get arrested this Sunday for holding a church service type of a deal. And so the, the focus was just on believers. The focus was on, you know, leading others to Christ, but it was not necessarily on making the laws of a specific country align with the beliefs of a specific church. And in the West, it doesn't seem that way. It seems that the church basically wants to make uh, America into this Christian nation and make everybody adhere to all of the rules of scripture and and everything like that. And I, I think we know from scripture that that's not ever going to happen. I think we know from scripture that things are going to go from bad to worse. <laughs> and there's not ever going to be a point where the entire United States of America is united in worship of Jesus. Um, I don't think that that's something that we're even told to work toward necessarily. Um, we're, we're told to go into all the world and and preach the gospel. And I think that the church has really lost its way completely. And I'm generalizing when I say the church. I know that there are probably going to be people who will say, well, not my church and not every church. And that may be true of some churches, but I think that by and large, we've gotten into a very highly politicized version of Christianity. And it's just a departure from what I think the New Testament church is supposed to be. Um, But one scripture I come back to, and I know that I used the scripture in the selective outrage episode, and that is 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 12 Specifically, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? 
And I want to read the context a little more of the surrounding verses for context out of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I'll start in, in verse 11. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who claims to be a brother, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a verbal abuser, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man do not even eat. What business of mine is it to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. So I come back to this scripture over and over again, yes, because I think that it speaks directly to an issue with the church and Christianity in general in this day and age. And I guess I should say with evangelical Christianity, because I'm not in a different sect of Christianity. That's not what I grew up in. That's not what I know the most about. But I do know that in evangelical Christianity, as I grew up, it became less and less and less about sharing the good news and preaching the gospel to the poor. And it became more and more about our country is going to hell in a handbasket. And when I was growing up, it was like rock music is terrible and you need to burn all of your CDs and not listen to secular music and you need to, you know, not play with certain toys and not watch certain Disney movies and not do this and not do that. And it's kind of like evolved from there. And now it's just this highly partisan version of Christianity and church that I'm just not comfortable with because I don't believe that that is what the New Testament standard for a church actually is. And I think it's especially important when it comes to topics like the the sexual grooming of children that suddenly Christians appear to be concerned with or they say that they're concerned with. I, I think it's especially relevant there because this just speaks specifically to what Christians are actively doing right now, which is judging those outside the church rather than doing what Paul says and leave that to God. He's He's going to do that. God is going to judge the world. And it's our job to not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother, but is doing these sexually immoral things. And we're to remove that person from among us. We're to worry about the people who claim to be believers, who claim to be followers of Christ, and who are doing these things. And obviously, the sexual abuse of children by pastors youth pastors, church leaders, or just even fathers, mothers, aunts and uncles, people who claim to be followers of Christ and who are part of the church and who claim the name of Jesus Christ and then commit these atrocious sins against children. These are the people we need to be calling out, the people who claim to be brothers and sisters in Christ, who claim to be a part of the church, who claim to love the Lord, and then are doing these awful things. So when I get angry about a pastor deciding to have a sermon series on Pride Month, and I get angry about the fact that this pastor feels the need to use an hour-long sermon to call out local libraries for having Drag Queen Story Hour and use an hour-long sermon to call out Target for their swimsuit line. It makes me upset because it's doing the opposite of what 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and what Paul is telling the church to do. And that is the total opposite of what's being done here. And again, I don't want anybody to get it twisted that I think that everything that the world does is just hunky-dory and it's all fine and dandy. And that because I got upset with this pastor for having this sermon series, that that means that I think that 
drag queens performing in front of children is exceptional and everyone should just accept it and embrace it and it, there's nothing ever wrong with it. Like, that's not what I'm here to say. But what I am here to say is that it's just super disheartening as a survivor of sexual abuse and as someone who has spoken to hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of survivors of sexual abuse to have a church never, ever focus on the issue of sexual abuse within the church and constantly be focused on what the world is doing and how the world is not meeting the standard of scripture, how the world is not following Christ. And I don't know why we're surprised when the world doesn't follow this set of morals that Christians follow. I don't understand why that freaks us out so much because that's what the world does. That's what people who are not following the same belief system that we're following, that's what they do because it's not you know, their job to follow scripture. And I think that Christians use that a lot of times when they're arguing with the world. Well, the Bible says this and the Bible says that, but a person who has not become a follower of Christ has absolutely zero reason to be using the Bible for any of their moral compass because that's not a part of their belief system. And so when the church starts harping on those people who are not Christians and focuses everything on people who are not Christians, all of their sermons are directed at people who are not followers of Christ. Their sermons are directed at people who are doing things that Christians shouldn't be doing. Well, they're not Christians. They're not people who are claiming the name of Christ. They're not people who are claiming to follow Christ. So why are we expecting them to live by the morals that we find in scripture? They're not going to, because that's not their religion. It's not their faith. It is not what they've based their beliefs on. And so I always just shake my head a little bit when I see message series like this. And it's not to say that we should never speak out against any sort of injustice or any sort of immorality outside the church. You know, where your kids are somewhere involved in anything that exposes them to highly sexualized behavior and inappropriate behaviors that try to normalize sexuality to children in a way that could end up harming them. I don't want to call it grooming because I feel like that has just become such an overused and misused word in the church right now. And I feel like it's being used in a way that's not really helpful to actual victims of sexual abuse and survivors of sexual abuse. I don't want to say grooming, but if there is a behavior that you see in front of you that is sexualizing children, of course, you know, call it out. This is not a cry for Christians to never, ever speak up about anything. But I believe that we are speaking up more so to the sins that are happening outside of the church and outside of the faith than we are to what's happening within our own four walls. That's happening constantly. And that is one of the main reasons that I believe that sexual abuse has become rampant in the church because the focus is not on 1 Corinthians 5 and telling us to judge those inside the church, judge those who name themselves believers and leave those outside to God, but get the wickedness out of your own church, expel it from you. And instead of doing that, 
we're just focusing on the exact opposite of that. And it kind of makes you feel good, doesn't it? When you can think of all those horrible sins that those other people are committing. And it almost gives you this false sense of righteousness. It's like a self-righteousness, you know? Well, oh, thank God that we're not doing what those worldly people at Target are doing. You know, thank God we're not taking our children to drag queen story hour. Thank God we're not trying to normalize, you know, X, Y, Z. Like we're not doing those horrible things. So we're a-okay. Meanwhile, these same people that are clutching their pearls over what Target's doing and what public libraries are doing, these same people have not a word to say about the sexual abuse that's happening in our own churches. And that is the whole problem. It really is like that's the whole problem. And so back to this pastor's post on how everybody need to be there for his sermon on pride and child grooming and drag queens, et cetera, et cetera. I actually wrote a post on Facebook, which has now disappeared because my entire Facebook has disappeared. Thank you, hackers. I just love people who want to destroy everyone else's lives because they don't feel like getting a real job. I mean, it's a lucrative business, so I guess I kind of get it. But yeah, I would like my Facebook page back. In any case, I wrote a response. I actually shared this post about this Pride Month and child grooming Target swimsuit line (laughs) message series. I shared it and I wrote my opinion on it, that I am so tired of the selective outrage and that it's so disingenuous to see a pastor suddenly act like the grooming of children is unacceptable. And I just, I'm dumbfounded when I read pastors' posts about the sexual grooming of children when it has to do with what's happening out in the world, when they do not ever post anything or say anything in a sermon about the sexual abuse that's taking place within the church. So someone actually commented on this pastor's post and said something to the effect of, so, hey, what are you doing to respond to the big issue of clergy sexual abuse and sexual misconduct within churches? What are you doing to help, you know, survivors of sexual abuse? What are you doing to address this? And he had some remark, basically not answering the question, but instead saying, well, all sexual abuse is bad. You know, if if a priest abuses someone, then they should go to prison. If a police officer abuses someone, that they should go to prison. I just don't understand why anyone wants abuse to happen anywhere. Essentially saying that because she was asking the question of what are you doing to address the issue of sexual abuse within the church, that by that she was somehow saying that the sexual abuse of children happening outside the church is fine and that she loves it. And this is something that it's just a logical fallacy. And those abound They just completely abound when you bring up sexual abuse within the church. Immediately, people just start talking about things that you've never mentioned in your entire life. So if you think it's wrong that a pastor never brings up sexual abuse within the church, then that means that you celebrate sexual abuse outside of the church. It doesn't make any sense. Like wanting our churches to care about the sexual abuse happening within their midst. And yes, care about that before they want to take the speck out of somebody else's eye. More on that in just a second. But first, and now we're getting back into the podcast. We're not controlling the problem of sexual abuse within 
our own church. So how can we tell anybody else anything about the grooming of children? I think it's ludicrous. I think it's laughable. And I mean, maybe I should say cryable instead, because it's just something that is supremely depressing. It is something that saddens me more than almost anything else, is the fact that people can be so blind to the fact that there is sexual abuse happening within the church, that it is a problem, and that it's a problem that needs to be addressed. And we cannot find five minutes in a sermon to address this by and large. And I'd be willing to ask anyone I know who grew up in the church, and I'm I'm pretty positive that their answer is going to be zero. How many times has your pastor ever mentioned sexual abuse? How many times has your pastor ever spoken about God's heart related to sexual abuse? How many times has your pastor ever talked about how God feels about sexual abuse and how he feels about people who have been abused and how the church should respond to sexual abuse? Like how many times? And I'm confident in saying that the vast majority of people that I talk to would say zero because that's just the reality that almost no pastors are talking about sexual abuse. Almost none of them are. And while they're not talking about it, they're also not responding properly to the sexual abuse that's happening within their congregations and not knowing how to respond to the victims who come forward, not knowing how to respond when a situation happens and you end up giving people really terrible advice about moving on and forgiveness and and all these things that don't resolve the problem and actually just sweep it under the rug. And, and some people just overtly cover up sexual abuse, refuse to go to the authorities. We're going to handle this in-house. We don't want the church to look bad. And they basically just try to cover their own butts and don't handle it properly. And not ever talking about sexual abuse or abuse of any kind as a pastor is wrong. It's wrong. And I think that it's doubly wrong to suddenly pretend that you care about the grooming and sexual abuse of children when you've spent years and years being completely silent on the topic until suddenly it's a political hot button issue. And now you're going to bring it into a sermon because you can obliterate the left or whatever political party it is that you would like to obliterate, which, you know, in the vast majority of churches, that's going to be the left and Democrats, liberals, whatever you want to say, like that's typically what it is. And when I think of, of Jesus himself and kind of how he dealt with religious leaders and their nonsense, I just can't understand how people don't make that connection with what's happening in churches today, how they don't make the connection that if Jesus were here right now, I don't think that he would be talking about Target's swimsuit line for kids. And it's not that we can't talk about anything that's wrong outside the church, but I think that if Jesus were here in our day and age, he would have a lot to say about what's happening within the church. And calling out religious leaders who are completely ignoring the devastation happening in their own congregations and in their own denominations, because there may be a pastor who says, listen, I've never had anybody accused on my staff of sexually abusing a kid. I've never had any situation like this. Well, hear me when I say that does not mean it's not happening in your church. So you talking about sexual abuse is super important just because you know that a big portion of your congregation has experienced sexual abuse of some kind in their lives. It can be up to 25% of your congregation. And if you never have anything to say about abuse, I'm not sure why you think it's okay to ignore that big chunk 
of your congregation that has experienced something so devastating and how you can just not ever address that. Like maybe they'll figure out this pain and and this issue on their own. And I don't ever need to say anything about it or, or talk about God's heart surrounding this issue. I'm not sure where pastors are with that. But one thing I will say that I guess it shouldn't have surprised me, but it surprises me that in the day and age we are in, that a pastor can be ignorant to the fact that sexual abuse within the church is a problem. And I actually listened to a bit of this sermon from this sermon series that I called out on Facebook. I listened to it the Sunday that he preached this first message. And toward the end of the sermon, I actually didn't hear all of it. I started about halfway through. But toward the end of the sermon, he addressed the fact that people on social media were up in arms with his message series. And of course, kind of made it seem like he was being unjustly attacked, which is not what happened at all. It's people wanting to know the answer to why are you pretending that you care about the grooming and sexual abuse of children when you're unwilling to address the sexual abuse that's happening within the church? And his response basically was to say that people on social media got upset with him and were saying, well, what about what about the priests who abuse kids? And when he said that, my head almost exploded because I'm thinking, first of all, nobody said the word priest to you. Nobody. I read the comments. I read the dissenting comments. Nobody said the word priest. We are talking about not Catholic priests abusing children, although that happens and that definitely needs to be addressed as well. But in the evangelical church, that is not necessarily our lane either because we have our own sexual abuse issue to worry about. Nobody mentioned the word priest. We called out the church's lack of care for the sexual abuse of children that's happening in its midst while simultaneously trying to call out the world for their supposed sexual grooming of children. And when he said priests, I thought either he just still doesn't want to say anything about sexual abuse within the church from the pulpit, or somehow he's managed to live all these years and be on the same social media that everybody else is on and see all these stories of pastor after pastor after pastor after leader after leader after leader after scandal after scandal after scandal happening in all these denominations and still not have any idea that sexual abuse within the evangelical church, not Catholic church, is a huge problem. And yeah, my head almost exploded because I'm just not sure how you can live in this day and age and be ignorant to the fact that sexual abuse within the evangelical church is a huge problem. Huge. So I got a little, I mean, I shook my head and I got a little discouraged all over again because it just seems like, it seems like slipping back in time. Like, you know, if somebody in in 1990 had said to me that there was a problem of sexual abuse in the church, I probably, even as a survivor, I'm telling you, even as a survivor of sexual abuse, I probably would have been like, uh, what are you talking about? That's not a thing. You know, I would have been like one of the people saying, no, that's not a problem here. Maybe that's happening in the Catholic church or maybe, and even in 1990, I don't think that 
the big stories had started to come out at that point. It was within the next few years following that. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not going to go back and look for dates right now, but um, it was around that time when the Catholic Church, like all those exposés started coming out and and survivors started speaking up. Um, But yeah, if you'd asked me way back in the day, I would have also assumed that sexual abuse in the church was a Catholic problem or that it was a world's problem and it wasn't an evangelical Christianity problem. But I don't know how in the year 2023, you can have people saying to you, directly to you, hey, what are you doing to address the problem of sexual abuse within the church? And then turn that around in a sermon to say, what about the priests who are abusing kids? No, there's not any way that you don't know that this problem exists. And if you don't know that the problem exists, it's because you are willingly turning a blind eye to it that you're refusing to read the articles, that you're refusing to admit the truth of what's coming out over and over and over again. It's a huge problem within evangelical Christianity that has nothing to do with Catholic priests or priests of any kind. And I almost feel like, I mean, I can't see in anybody's head, so I can't say for sure, but it almost just feels like a dishonesty because, you know, the reality is if you admit to your congregation that people on social media were asking you, well, what about the problem of sexual abuse within evangelical Christianity? Why are you speaking up about what Target is doing to kids and what drag queens are doing to kids when you're not willing to talk about what people who claim to be Christians are doing to kids? If you admit that from the pulpit, you're going to have to actually admit that you've done the wrong thing by never speaking about it. You're actually going to have to address the issue. And so I almost feel like it's easier to be dishonest and accuse all of the dissenters on your Facebook page of talking about a Catholic priest issue. But it's too easy to say, well, I think anybody who abuses a child should go to prison. I think anybody who abuses a child needs to be held accountable. That's a cop-out. It's a cop-out when you're doing nothing to address the issue of abuse within the church. I had somebody comment on my Facebook page who I think they tried to sort of agree with what I was saying, but in a nice way, they were basically saying, well, pastors have so much to worry about what with preaching the gospel that it's really hard for them to talk about every single issue. You know, it's just really hard for them to take time out of winning lost souls to address the issue of sexual abuse within the church. Well, to that... I will say, if you have time to write and create and design fancy sermon series graphics and invite postcards for a sermon series about the grooming and sexual abuse of children by Target and by drag queens at libraries, then you definitely have time to address the issue of sexual abuse within the church. We're acting as though pastors are just so busy sharing the gospel that they don't have time to address issues on the side. Well, then why is it that every pastor has time to talk about abortion? Why is it that every pastor has time to talk about homosexuality? Why is it that every pastor has time to make posts on Facebook about what Target is doing to children or men and women sharing bathrooms or biological males being able to compete in girls and women's sports? Like if you have time to talk about all that stuff, then I don't buy that you're so busy winning souls and bringing people to Christ that you just don't have time to worry about issues. The reality is 
you have time for the issues that matter to you. And those issues are highly partisan issues, but they're not truly the issues that matter to God, the God that we claim to serve. Um, I didn't see Jesus walking around having any problem with calling out the religious leaders of his day. He didn't have a problem with it. In fact, he really pretty exclusively did that. You didn't see him walking around telling everybody that the Roman Empire was getting it wrong, what the government was doing improperly, and how we need to stand against that. He was calling out the religious leaders of his day, and he was pretty bold about it. And yet somehow, in a large majority of our churches in this day and age, we continually call out the world for not living according to a biblical standard. And we're ignoring the things that are happening in our own four walls, things like the sexual abuse of children that is rampant. We're just ignoring it. And I don't think it's a mistake. I don't, I don't think that this is by accident that so many churches are doing this. I think that it's because we have strayed so far from what a church should actually look like and be like and function like. And we've turned it into this political idolatry and we've turned it into a business, basically, like we've got to rake in the money. And you know you're going to rake in the money when you're talking to your mostly conservative audience about hot-button conservative political issues. That's where you're going to get amens from people. That's where you're going to get a lot of agreement from your audience. And I saw a lot of people on this pastor's post talking about how brave he was. And I'm thinking, how is it brave for a, a white evangelical male in the South to stand in a pulpit and speak to his mostly white evangelical church that is also conservative and votes conservative? How is it brave to stand in front of these people who you know are going to agree with you and talk about what Target is doing to kids? How about if you stand in front of those people and call them out for some of the idolatry in their lives? How about if you stand before them and call them out for caring about child sexual abuse only when they can blame it on the political party they don't like? How about calling them out for seeing things happen within the church and wanting to be hush-hush about it because you don't want to make the church look bad and ruin the reputation of the church, and so you never deal with the sin that's happening within Christianity? I just find it all to be super discouraging, but also just gross in general. Um, gross might seem like a weird word, but it just, it is to me. You know, I, I, I just desire, I mean, the whole point of this podcast is like, I want the church to care that this stuff is happening. And I want the church to care how it responds uh, to sexual abuse when it happens and to survivors of sexual abuse when they're within your four walls and preventing sexual abuse and making sure that there are no predators in your church. Like there are so many things that it, it would be just incredible to see the church start caring about this stuff and they can't find the time to care about that but they can find the time to care about the swimsuit line at target it's a selective outrage that i'm confident is not pleasing to god it's a selective outrage that i'm pretty confident jesus would be calling out if he were here and i call it out on the podcast not because i think that everything target does is a-okay, not because I think that every person should be taking their children to Drag Queen Story Hour at their local library, not because I think 
highly sexualized dancing in drag or in any kind of costume in front of children is okay. It's not because of that. It's because I know that we have this massive problem of sexual abuse within the church that is being perpetrated by the people who don't ever dress in drag, by people who don't ever go to Target and buy a transgender swimsuit for children, by people who will never go in a bathroom that isn't properly gendered. It's being perpetrated by people who look like us and dress like us and know the same scriptures that we know and are pretending to be believers. They're the people that Paul warns us about in the New Testament, and we are largely ignoring those people so that we can harp on what the world is doing. The world is going to world people. It is not our responsibility to change that. It's not. Fix what's wrong in your own churches. Call out the sin that is rampant in your own churches and let God deal with Target and your local library. As a pastor, that is your job. And that's what I've got for you today on this episode of Survivor Sanctuary. And as always, um, I welcome your feedback, any thoughts, feelings, disagreements that you have. I would love to hear them. Unfortunately, the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook page may not be up for a little while. If you're listening to this around the time that it airs, I might need a few more weeks to be able to get this page back up and running. But in the meantime, you're free to reach out to me via the contact form at SurvivorSanctuary.com. Let me know your thoughts, anything you think. I always love hearing from you. And I will catch you back here on the next episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.